Let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 49. There we find God's word summarized as follows. What is the third petition? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may deny our own will and without any murmuring obey thy will, for it alone is good. Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithful and faithfully as the angels in heaven. After the sermon, we will sing from hymn 18, the stanzas 1 and 2. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, A soldier is lying in a puddle of blood on the side of a dusty road. He had just stopped, stepped on a landmine and is mortally wounded. His life on earth is about to come to an end. One of the last things that goes through his mind is, if only I had listened and not been so careless. If only I had not wandered away from the platoon thinking that I was safe, then this would not have happened. Why didn't I listen to the warnings of my commander? And now it's too late. When you are a soldier, it is important that you listen very carefully to your commanding officer. It's a matter of life and death. If you don't, then you do not only endanger your own life, but also the lives of others. For if you disobey your orders, then others have to risk their lives in order to rescue you. And you may also influence others in your own carelessness. A good soldier needs to be disciplined, well-trained, and well-equipped. And that was also important for a Roman soldier during biblical times. The Roman Empire was as powerful and enduring as it was because of the excellence of their soldiers with their exceptional training, their self-discipline, and their superior equipment. There was not an army in the world that could stood up, that could stand up against the Romans. The Roman armies were invincible. But no army can be successful if the soldiers do not listen to the commanding officers and obey the general who is in charge. No army can have any excess, can, can have any success if the soldiers go off on their own, if they do their own thing, and if they do not use their training or their equipment properly. And Paul applies that concept to our Christian warfare. He does that throughout his letters and also in the portion that we read together from Ephesians 6. And there he uses military terminology. He knows that we as Christians are also engaged in a war. It is a spiritual war. 
It is a war where we are engaged in the battle to advance, establish, and maintain the kingdom of God. And that is why the petition about doing God's will comes after the petition about the coming of God's kingdom. And make no mistake about it, the establishment, protection, and advancement of God's kingdom is much more important than the establishment of any earthly kingdom. And so this afternoon we are dealing with something very important. We are going to deal with the fact that no army can have success if the soldiers do not obey the will of the commanding officers. The theme is as follows, a good soldier of Christ does the will of God, his commanding officer. In the first place, he knows what the will of God is. In the second place, he trains himself in obeying God's will. And finally, he anticipates the total obedience to God's will. And so the theme is, a good soldier of Christ does the will of God, his commanding officer. First of all, we will see that he knows what the will of God is. A Roman soldier was intensely loyal to his commanding officer, to his general. For he was totally dependent on him for everything. It was the general who made sure that he had food and drink and shelter and protection and safety. An obedient soldier would be well looked after, not just during times of active service, but also during the days of his retirement. He would receive from him his wages, his financial security, and his general physical well-being. If you served your commander well, you would live a lot better than the average person. Your family would be well looked after from the cradle to the grave. And after your years of service, you would receive from your commanding officer a lucrative pension, which included a retirement home in a Roman city built in occupied territory. And such a soldier would not serve his commanding officer, his general, out of fear, but he would serve him out of love and respect. He would consider himself fortunate to have been chosen to the enviable position of a soldier. For the people looked up to the soldiers and respected them. Soldiers were men of power and authority, and they had a secure position. Now I want to ask you a question. Why do you serve the Lord your God? Out of fear or out of love? There are those who serve God out of fear. They are afraid that if they do not obey God's will, then God will punish them. And then they are going to experience God's wrath. And they think to themselves, I better behave myself. If that's how you serve God, do you really think that then you are doing his will? No, God does not want you to serve him out of fear. For then you would obey him only because of the law. And not because of who he is. That's how many people obey the laws of the land. They're afraid to get caught. They're afraid to get stealing or raping or cheating on their income taxes or speeding on the highway. 
And so they don't do those kinds of things. However, if they knew for sure that they would get away with it, then they would throw caution to the wind and do whatever they felt like doing. Such people do not serve the law out of a love for the law and the lawgiver, but only out of fear for the punishment. They do it out of self-preservation. Brothers and sisters, and that includes you boys and girls, I hope you're listening too, the Lord God teaches us to do His will, not because we are afraid of Him, but because it is good for you. The doing of God's will honors Him. And it is of great benefit to those who love the Lord and His law. For you see, there are many wonderful facets to the will of God. There are many beautiful aspects to it. There are many wonderful things about God's laws that we do not realize. Do you know, for example, what one of the reasons is that God makes his will known to you? He reveals his will to you in order to protect you from yourself. He knows what a miserable creature you and I are. He knows how prone we are to follow our own sinful flesh. He knows how we, left on our own, are out to destroy ourselves and everyone around us. And so, now how does he try to convince us to do his will? How does he convince you and me? Well, in order to convince you of his good intentions, he treats you with utmost respect. He makes a covenant even with you. And he is very generous. He has given you an enormous important position in his creation. He has also made you the recipient of all the treasures of his kingdom. And he treats you not just as his servant, but as his child. His precious child. His heir. Even though you and I are deserters and treacherous people, God forgives you. And time and again, he restores you to your lofty position. He has enlisted you in his army and he has made you a soldier in spite of your disloyal and incompetent ways. He has even assured you of the victory, for the victory against the enemy has already been won through your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is your commanding officer. When it comes down to it, you do not even have to do anything in order to secure your own victory against your enemy. You don't even have to lift a finger. You certainly don't have to be afraid of anything, especially not of the Lord your God, who has only your welfare in mind. You do not have to be afraid of him. On the contrary, he does not reward you according to the kinds of things you do, whether good or bad, but only because of the desire within you to serve him. And he is already the one who has created that desire within you in the first place. You see, it's all his doing. As long as you follow that God-given desire and show that you want to serve Him, 
even though you fail all the time. And if you want to do His will, if you show that, then He will never, ever reject you. And then He will never destroy you. On the contrary, He will love you even though you sin against Him all the time. As we sang together, if we are faithless and we stray, He faithful will remain for a. And so, why do you think you have to do the will of God? Well, you have to do it out of love for the wonderful Father that you have. Out of a love for your commanding officer who loves you no matter what and who provides you with everything you need from the cradle to the grave. Now, please, don't think that you have to do anything yourself. I didn't say that. All I said is you don't have to do anything in order to secure your salvation. That's something else. But there is lots for you to do. You cannot be idle, not at all. But those works that you have to do, you do not do them in order to secure your victory, but in order to confirm confirm your victory. In order to confirm that you actually belong to that victorious army of God. And you know, that is a lot of work. Look at how Paul, the inspired author of the letter to the Ephesians, puts the people of the church at Ephesus to work. These people at one time belonged to the army of the enemy, to Satan. Paul says in chapter 4, verse 19, that they indulged in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. That is a life of an unbeliever. He gives in to the enemy. Those who are in the grip of the devil do not want any constraints. And this is becoming increasingly evident in the society of today. As long as the hurt to others is not immediately apparent, do whatever you feel like. Walk away from your marriages. Go ahead. Commit adultery. Have sex with whomever you like, even if it is someone from the same sex. Is your pregnancy inconvenient? Get rid of that baby. And don't even talk about a baby being a living creature. Pretend it's nothing more than an appendix. Today's society even bestows honor on those who fought for the right of the abortion of babies. That's sadly what happened last week when Henry Morkenthaler was given the dubious honor of the Order of Canada. He is championed as a hero. The breakers of the law are now heroes. But as Paul says in verse 18, such people are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. However, let's stay within our own backyard. For you and I, we're also sinful people. But, and don't ever forget that, we are also a regenerated people. We have been sealed, as Paul says in chapter 4, verse 30, 
with the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, God's stamp of ownership has been placed on our foreheads. And that stamp distinguishes us from the rest. It makes you and me stand out. Not as better people, but as redeemed people. And Paul describes those kinds of people. He says, those people who are sealed with the Holy Spirit, they don't do the things of the world. Such as stealing from others. They do useful work. So that they not only look after their own needs, but also after the needs of the less fortunate. There are those people, there are those people who do not have unwholesome talk coming out of their mouths. Instead, they build others up with their tongue. And they are also the kind of people, those generated, regenerated people, that do not harbor bitterness. They are not full of rage and anger, says Paul. And they don't slander. They are kind. They are compassionate to one another. They forgive other people their sins just as God has forgiven them their sins. Now we are regenerated people. We have been born again. Does that show in your life? It's quite a list that Paul gives here. But brothers and sisters, boys and girls, those are the people of God. They are the ones who do God's will. It doesn't sound like you and me, does it? And yet, that is what you strive for. But how do you do that? Well, you go into training and you put on the full armor of God. We come to the second point. Paul says in chapter 6 that we must put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. In other words, the devil is our enemy. Now, where do you think the devil is? Well, don't think that he is exclusively out there someplace, that you can find him outside of the church. In the world where the Morgenthalers and the homosexuals and the adulterers live, Now, do you know where the devil is? The devil is all around you. You will find him in the church. You will find him in your home. You will find him in your children. You will find him in your heart. And every day of your life, you have to wage war against him. Not in order to win the victory. Once again, you have already won it in Christ. But in order to confirm the fact that you are a redeemed person. That you are a regenerated person. And don't forget the weapons that God gives you. First of all, you have been given the belt of truth. What is truth? The truth is that God rules. The truth is that he has won the victory over sin and the devil through his son, Jesus Christ, when he died for our sins. And that truth you will only find in the Bible. That truth is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who shows himself and who speaks of himself as being the truth.
That, beloved, is the gospel in a nutshell. Believe in that truth. And let that truth rule you. We also have been given, it says, the breastplate of righteousness. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, do you know what an enormously powerful weapon that is? And it is a weapon given to you through Jesus Christ, who is your righteousness. It's a big word. What does it mean? Well, in other words, he is the one who has made you obedient to the law, even though you yourself are a lawbreaker. That is what righteousness refers to. And that means that, therefore, there is now no longer any reason for bitterness within you. There is no reason to be full of anger and resentment and rage. For you yourself have been redeemed in spite of your sins. And not only you, but also your brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you realize what a wonderful gift the righteousness of God is, and then you cannot hang on to the resentments that you may have towards others, towards your parents, towards your children, towards your brothers and sisters in the Lord, God has given you the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet have been fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Peace is what everybody aims for all over the world. There are all kinds of peace movements, green peace and other peace movements. But the only true peace there is, is the peace that comes from God. The only way that peace can be established here on earth if sin is dealt away with totally, radically. And that is what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross. He brought peace on earth because he did the will of his Father in heaven. He allowed himself to be terribly abused and finally killed in order to pay the penalty of death for our sins. That's how peace was established. And God gives you that peace through Christ and you must make that peace of Christ within you a reality it's God's gift to you and you must embrace it with all your strength in other words you now too must deal radically with sin and temptation and that is a daily that is an hourly that is a minute by minute battle in the strength of the Lord and Paul also takes us, tells us to take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, how well do you know the will of God? How well equipped are you? As I asked this morning, too, do you study the Word of God? No doubt you read a portion of the Bible after your main meal. And perhaps you attend a study society once in a while, and that's good. But is that all you do? Do you understand what you are reading? Do you make the effort to understand the more difficult portions of the Scriptures? Aren't you curious when you read a difficult portion what it means? Or do you just skim over them 
Well, there's all kinds of tools you can have to understand in order to understand scriptures. There's also a lot of things going on always within the Reformed churches and other churches. And the Reformed faith is under attack all the time. How well do you equip yourself? Do you read Reformed literature? Do you read Reformed magazines that deal with the issues that confront us today? A soldier who does not continue to be in training will become vulnerable and he will run the risk of dying or being seriously wounded. He will not realize where the enemy is lurking if he is not alert. He will have a false sense of security and he will put the lives of others in danger as well. For you see, the Lord God has created us in relationships, in the relationships of our family and of the church. And if you are not very well trained, if you are going astray, then you are likely to take others with you, your children, your friends in the church. And so fathers and mothers have a great responsibility to make sure that their children are not going astray. Let me ask you the same question as this morning. Do you actively meditate on God's word? That does not just apply to the office bearers. That applies to each and every one of you. Do you constantly ask yourself as you go about your daily business whether you are doing the will of God in whatever activity you are undertaking? Is God's word in everything important to you? You may say, but how do I know exactly what the will of God is and what the will of God not is? Some will say that you will find that in the Bible. And of course, that's true. That, they say, is for us the instruction book for the soldier. In that book, the general has given us his directives as to how to conduct ourselves in warfare. But please don't think that the Bible is an instruction book wherein every rule and and every situation is outlined for you. Don't think that you can find a clear answer to everything. As if on page number 111 you will find the instruction about what to do with regard to the use of alcohol. Or as if on page 256 and 257 you can find out about the kinds of works you may or may not do on a Sunday. You see, the Bible doesn't work that way. You have to read all of God's word regularly and carefully and be in tune with it. You have to compare scripture with scripture. You have to learn to let God speak to you rather than you speaking to God. You cannot come to the Bible with your own preconceived ideas and then try to find a text to make it fit your way of thinking. A lot of people do that. And they go by their feelings. And they look for the support in God's word for it. Only careful and patient and regular reading will let you get a handle on God's truth. And it is a lifetime process 
because time and again Satan tries to draw you away. And it is not so either that you can have a direct line to heaven and that God speaks to you directly as to what his will is, that as soon as you resent your request up to God in prayer, that then he will answer you out of the blue sky. He doesn't give you a clear shortcut like that. What does he give you? He gives you his word. And that's enough. And it is that word that you have to study. Don't think that you can pray to God and ask him to reveal his will for every situation. He has already revealed his will to you. In his word, in the Bible. Know your Bible. Then you will also know God's will. Make it your lifetime ambition to study God's word. And do you know what we're all looking forward to in all this, brothers and sisters, boys and girls? And that brings us to our third point. We are anticipating the total obedience to God's will. And that's something that we will only experience in the life hereafter. The third petition says that God's will must be done on earth as it is in heaven. That points us to what is happening in heaven right now. And what is going to happen when heaven and earth are going to be reunited. Right now we are speaking about continual renewal. We need that continual renewal because we fall into sin over and over. And time and again we have to be made new, as Paul says in chapter 4, verse 23, in the attitude of your minds. We have to put off the old nature and put on the new nature, he says in verse 24. Can you imagine if everybody did God's will right now, that everybody had the total renewal of their minds? Do you know what kind of world this would be? You wouldn't recognize it. Then bombs would no longer explode in Afghanistan and other troubled spots of the world. Then we would not have to send our soldiers there. And then to stay a little bit closer to home, there would be no disunity amongst Christians. And then none of us, including you children here in this congregation, you wouldn't be picked on any longer. You will no longer have to lock up your possessions. You will then see that life, that life here on earth imitates life in heaven. For that's what it is like in heaven. And that's what we're looking forward to. For heaven and earth are going to be reunited. The angels in heaven are already doing God's will. They chose for God. The fallen angels didn't. But the ones who are there now, they chose for God. And we have to show that we want to do the same. And if we do, then already today you will have a foretaste of heaven. And in the end, you will have the full enjoyment of all the heavenly gifts. But if you don't, then you will perish. Then the enemy will get you. He will destroy you. And so, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, be in tune to God's will. It is. A matter of life and death. Amen.